Hello and a very warm welcome to Brailcast, your podcast staying in touch with the world of Braille. Coming up, a symbol for the tick or check mark. This is a symbol that was particularly asked for by those in education. Uh, they need a way to show that something is right or correct. And we now have a new Braille sign for that. New Braille symbols. Where do they come from and who decides? And do we really need a new Braille file format? What did go on last month in Dublin at the International Council on English Braille? We'll find out on this episode of Braillecast. Braillecast is made possible by the support of Bristol Braille Technology, a community interest company, developer of Canute, the first multi-line Braille e-reader. Visit bristolbraille.co.uk or email inquiries at bristolbraille.co.uk. In the UK, call 0117 325 3022. That's 0117 325 3022. James Bowden is a highly regarded Braille specialist working for RNIB. James is a member of the UK Association for Accessible Formats, UCAF, and is a representative to the International Council on English Braille, ISEB. In Dublin last month, ISEB held their midterm meetings. James brings us up to speed, but first I asked James to remind us who ISEB is. There are currently eight countries representing the major English-speaking nations of the world. Um, they are, just for interest, Australia, Canada, Ireland, New Zealand, Nigeria, South Africa, the UK and the US. And ISEB is the organisation responsible for the development and maintenance of the Unified English Braille Code. Is that right? That's exactly right, yes. So ISEB, I believe, was formed in something like 1992-1993 when there was a, an international interest in developing a unified code across the English-speaking nations. So each of the countries represented uh, presented a report at the meeting in Dublin this April. Just run us through some of the highlights, James. Yeah, there's all sorts of interesting projects, things going on in different countries. A couple of things that caught my attention. Uh, in Australia, they have camps for Braille music, uh, for people to get familiar with that. Uh, in Canada, there was a thing called a Brailler Bounce Initiative, uh, which basically means anybody who has an unwanted Perkins can send it in. It gets maintained and fixed up and sent to somebody who needs it. And what are we up to in the UK? In the UK, it's all sorts of documents being produced. One of the interesting projects that I'm involved with is trying to expand a list of words and how to contract them properly. The reason we, we want an extended word list is so that if you come across a word, you don't know what is, how to contract it, you've at least got some reference. It's also useful for software manufacturers. We're doing this in conjunction with the US and of the 800 words I think we've we've fired backwards and forwards between us, there's only been about 1% where we differed. Now, that's a major step forward from the way things used to be. Just give us a couple of uh, of problem words where it's not clear, even after UEB, because that was one of the, um, the aims of UEB, wasn't it? To make um, contracting a bit more consistent. Yes, um, and it's still not a done deal, unfortunately. We've still got quite a few words we need to sort out. So one particular problem word, which uh, will become apparent, is the word beret, a small hat. Um, but of course, in the UK, we say beret, and in the US, they say beret. 
So how do you contract that one? And well, and how do you? We don't know. We haven't decided that one yet. <laughs> okay, so the uh, jury's out. What we want to do, first of all, is present a list of uncontentious words, um, which will be just a, just a bigger reference for people to consult if they need to. It's based on our previous uh, publication in the UK, which was called British Braille, which had a longer list in there. There's a lot of proper names in there as well, which are, some are quite rare. One was Antinous, another one was uh, Persephone. The UK and the US seem to be concerned with the sort of the technical aspects of Braille, refining the rules of unified English Braille. And, and, and we're going to talk about a new sign in a, in a little while. Australia and, and New Zealand, um, they, they, they seem to be more focused on, on the kind of pragmatic approach of, of, of getting Braille readers together to, to, to study together, to share resources, that kind of thing. Is that, is that a fair reflection of the country reports? Yeah, I think that is fair. Um, it is interesting how the different countries work. And the one that I remember when I first heard um, a few years ago was Nigeria. And um, the lady from Nigeria said, you know, in Nigeria, we get Braille from all sorts of places, from the UK, from the USA, from other countries. We're just grateful to have Braille. And then she went on to say, you know, in, in Nigeria, you have classes that share a hand frame. It kind of wow. puts things into perspective. Or a slate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We also had reports from some of the committees, um, which is probably not very interesting, bylaws and treasury and things like that. Um, but then we had what we call a code maintenance session. And one of the things that we talked about there was a symbol for the tick or check mark. This is a symbol that was particularly asked for by those in education. Uh, they need a way to show that something is right or correct. And we now have a new Braille sign for that, which is dot four, and then dot one four six. Okay, so so this was only agreed. So this is brand new and not yet published, but dot four followed by dots one four six is going to be a tick to indicate tick that something sign, is yes. correct. Yeah, and and is that tick sign? Does that also apply? to things like tick boxes or, or not? I guess it's, it's, it's really a tick. You know, the, the context of why you'd want to use it is unimportant. Um, what actually it is is just a symbol for a tick. In print, to try and sort of visualise this for people, it would look like a, a bit like a reverse L that's been italicised. And tilted a bit, yeah. So yeah. You, start, you start on the middle on the left, you go down diagonally to the right, and then you go up diagonally to the right quite a long way and the the in print the upstroke as i understand it is quite a bit longer than the yes the downstroke yeah very yeah. much very much and sometimes slightly curvy as well what's the process for that then james so when somebody um, proposes a, a new sign look we need a new sign for a tick what's the process to start with somebody comes up with a proposal from one of the braille authorities in one of the member countries of iceb that then gets discussed in the committee, preferably with examples, because we need to put some examples in the rule book. Then there is an international vote. And once that's agreed, it gets ratified by the executive. So this has been ratified? It's been ratified, yes. So when does the rule book uh, get updated? It'll be published on the website, hopefully imminently. Okay. That was one of our meetings for the Technical Crowding Group. We had several, actually. Okay. And any other outcomes that we need to be aware of? The apostrophe debate um, 
we shouldn't really call it the apostrophe debate because everybody knows the apostrophe is dot three. The, the, the debate really is about the single quote. Um, that was another thing mentioned at the meeting. So this is this issue we talked about last year, some Braille translations, software uh, and some word processors treat single quotes and apostrophes as as basically the same thing. And that's why sometimes in Braille, you might see uh, something like D-O-N uh, dot six lower H-T or something like that. To, to in, Instead of an apostrophe, you get a single quote sign there. And um, That's right. Although that really should not happen. Well, it shouldn't. And uh, um, unfortunately, it has in the past. And there was a consultation, I, I remember, uh, by Isaac. That's right. So, so you got the results back from the consultation. So where are we now? So very many thanks to all those who participated in that survey. It was a great exercise in getting people's opinions and feedback. So one of the options in the survey was to make single quotes and apostrophes all become dot three. And that was the option most favoured by those who participated from the UK. However, it may not necessarily be clear what all the ramifications are to that option. So, for example, capital letters and apostrophes at the beginning or single quotes and apostrophes at the beginning might be very easily mistaken. And Australia was not very happy with that idea. So at the meeting, other proposals were made and counter proposals. And in the end, we've decided to try and adopt a pragmatic approach to the rules to allow some variation. Um, so, for example, to try and have whatever the dominant quote in the original print, whether that's double or single as a predominant quote, we'll try and make those lower H and lower J as you were. And it, the inner quotes, which traditionally used to be single quotes, but may in fact be double quotes, it's very complicated how the print world works. We'll try and keep those as dot six lower H and dot six lower J, and apostrophe will keep to dot three. So it's a, trying to be a bit more pragmatic about the rules and allow some flexibility, etc. Okay. Any other outcomes from the coding meetings that we need to be aware of? Yeah, there was talk of the continuing work to update the guidelines for technical material. This is the book that deals with maths and science and gives lots of illustrations and examples. And work is ongoing to update this. Um, the edition, which is the current edition, is actually 10 years old. So quite a lot's happened since then. In addition to the various country reports and the uh, coding meetings, you also have as part of uh, ISEB uh, a Braille technology group and a Braille music group or committee, I should say. Uh, tell us uh, about those reports. From the 2016 General Assembly, there were some resolutions passed. Two of those resolutions are to do with Braille music. One is to do with preserving hard copy scores, and there was a bit of discussion about that. The country that's had most success so far in digitizing Braille scores is the US. So this is the process of taking a sheet of Braille and scanning it with a scanner, and then correcting the mistakes and having it then as an electronic file. Not necessarily an easy process because you get shadows and inaccuracies. And if you've got an ancient copy, then the dots might not be exactly as crisp as you might like them or, or more accurately as the software might like them. But the U.S. have a program of trying to digitize their Braille music. 
Another thing the, the music committee is doing is try to identify and isolate any ambiguities between the UEB code and the Braille music code. So in UEB, for example, we have new symbols for brackets, um, the dot five GH sign and the dot five AR sign. Now in music, they could easily be confused with other things. So there are needed to be rules about that kind of stuff. It's also interesting to see how different countries are dealing with Braille music on Braille displays. So we in the UK have had a bit of experience with that, trying to use, for example, the Canute Braille reader uh, to use Braille music and also the Orbit reader to read Braille music and the pros and cons of each. And even trying things like the old bar by bar format. And that leads us nicely on to the Refreshable Braille Technology Committee. Now, one of the major tasks that they're involved with at the moment is trying to improve the LibLui Braille translation engine. And that's used in quite a lot of systems nowadays, from mobile phones to Braille note takers to screen readers and even web-based transcription programs, I believe. If anybody has experience of LibLui, you may well have found some, shall we say, limitations. And it's our purpose to try and improve the output from LibLui and indeed the input, the Braille input from LibLui, and then try and persuade screen reader manufacturers and other technologists to adopt the new table to make it better for everyone. To make LibLui as, as strong and as robust as it needs to be, given how widely used it is in our screen reading and Braille note takers and translation software. Has there been any effort uh, to try and engage with the technology companies to try and support some of that work? It seems to me that that, that a lot needs doing and, and clearly that's going to cost in terms of time and effort. We have approached the likes of Apple and Microsoft and so on Unfortunately, nothing has been forthcoming. But you would still like to hear from those companies if there is any opportunity, given that they are using this Braille translator in their software. Absolutely, at no cost to themselves. Yeah, so so ICEB is still keen to reach out to those technology companies that are making use of LibLui. And we shall be writing to them again, you know, as soon as we have a, a new version or a new table, etc., for people to try. Excellent. So that, that work is ongoing. So watch this space. Absolutely. Watch this space. Um, another thing that came out from the technology group is the whole idea of reading electronic Braille files on Braille displays in general. So most people use what we call BRF or Braille ready files on their braille displays and the only navigational information you have in a braille file is the top of each page so how do you navigate to say the start of chapter two or chapter three of course you could do a search if you have a search command um, but you have to know what you're searching for there there's no equivalent for example of just pressing h for the next heading in your document and one possible proposal is to try and uh, make a new format or extend uh, an existing format called PEF or portable embosser format. Uh, so a lot of discussion still to go there and uh, we'll be partnering perhaps with the likes of Daisy who I believe were instrumental in making PEF in the first place.
So PEF, it's not it's not widely known. It's not widely used. No, it's quite hard to get to get buy-in for for, for a new format. Surely, when there are existing formats, BRL is an unformatted Braille file. BRF is a is a formatted Braille file. Formatted, yes. To introduce a third format, that that sounds like it's fraught with difficulty. Well, yes and no. I mean, you already have BRL and BRF in some cases used interchangeably. Um, so the distinction is not really clear. The whole point of PEF was to try and improve uh, distribution of Braille files. And it goes some way to doing that across language boundaries, uh, where different countries might use different character sets for the Braille dots and so on. So that problem is solved. And PEF is actually an extendable format. So it could have information about various levels of heading, for example, embedded in it. But it appears that that has not been done since its initial release. So where do you see this going, James? So this will be probably be going to people like Daisy, who might be interested in updating the PEF format, and we'll take it from there. The absolutely vital thing that we do, whatever the format that is chosen in the end, is you must get buy-in from agencies, from hardware manufacturers, from software distributors, and get everybody singing from the same hymn sheet. Which is easier said than done. Indeed. What else, James, came out of the the meeting in Dublin for you? The emerging range of new Braille, refreshable Braille display technology, all in one room. So we had the Canute Braille e-reader, we had the Orbit Reader 20, and we had the Braille Me. Yes, yeah. So, so the Orbit Reader and the Braille Me are both low-cost, twenty-cell uh, uh, displays, and the Canute right. uh, is a is a multi-line, nine lines. Of a 40 multi-line, cells. nine lines by forty cells. That's right. So, so it was interesting to compare and contrast how they how they're similar and how they're different. So, to give you just a couple of ideas, the the Orbit Reader is a very traditional design of Braille display. It has the Braille cells at the front. It has panning keys at the left end and right end of the cells. It has a Perkins-style keyboard, etc., etc. Now, the Braille Me has the Braille cells at the back of the unit, and in front of it has the Perkins-style Braille keyboard, and it has navigation buttons on the left and right and so on of the Braille display. So it's interesting to see how these different designs are similar and yet different. Braille Me has routing keys, of course. Braille Me has routing keys. Orbit Reader does not. Routing keys obviously are useful for editing documents, but not really useful when you're just plain reading a document. On the other hand, the Orbit Reader has eight dot cells. The Braille Me only has six dot cells. You can push the dots on the Braille Me and then they'll kind of pop back out again. It is interesting to see how these different technologies are developing. I actually think it's an extremely exciting time for Braille. You've got new codes, new devices, new ways of getting Braille files all on the horizon. Very exciting. We shall look forward to more news from ISEB, not least of which the next uh, General Assembly, which uh, is just two years away and it's going to be in the UK. That's right. So there was discussion about the 2020 General Assembly, which is going to be in the United Kingdom. And even if you're not part of, if you like, the Braille establishment, observers are very welcome. Preparations are still at quite an early stage. 
but there was there seemed to be quite a lot of appetite to have some kind of braille conference around the formal working business of ISEB. So we don't know what shape that will take yet, uh, but uh, watch this space. One slightly amusing thing um, about the conference is if we're inviting equipment manufacturers to have, say, an exhibition of their stuff, uh, one comment was, and no CCTVs. This is a Braille conference. Beautiful. Well, so so, so hopefully um, a big Braille conference in the UK in 2020 to look forward to. Excellent. Well, I hope you keep us posted, James, uh, here on the uh, on the Brailcast, uh, all about that. Just in the wider um, Braille world, the World Braille Council, uh, part of the World Blind Union, has um, has been dormant for a while, and there are there are rumblings that it's about to uh, to be reborn. So I don't know if reborn is quite the right word, but um, there is planned to be uh, a World Braille Council meeting in Ottawa, Canada, towards the end of May. Well, we shall try and find out what we can uh, about that. Any other ICB things that you want to mention? So it's also interesting. It wasn't all business meetings and committee meetings as well. There were some various other activities in the conference, one of which was a quite an interesting tour of the Child Vision production facilities. The interesting thing about the production centre there is they not only had your regular room of embossers chuntering away to themselves, churning out pages and pages, they also were using a 3D printer to produce tactile objects, which was quite interesting. Lots of people playing with uh, 3D printing and, and tactile resources mm. at the moment. We mm. should perhaps do an episode on that. Did you go on the pub crawl, James? It wasn't a pub crawl. No, it was a it was a, a walking tour of the centre of Ireland. It's Sorry, the centre of Dublin. <laughs> it was not. It was not. We only went to a pub. We only went to one pub, and it was at the end of the tour. So we we saw places like Parnell Square, wow. O'Connell Street, various monuments, uh, Trinity College, O'Connell Bridge, uh, and only only at the very end did we end up in a pub. Right. So for more information about all things ICB, including social media and all that good stuff, the website and all, of course, all. Yep. And of course, all the rule books and guidelines and press releases and all that sort of thing. The website is www.iceb.org. Simple enough. Okay. Uh, Moving on to other matters then, James, and thank you very much for sharing uh, that the Braille essay writing contest is back. That's right. The Onkyo Braille essay writing contest is open for 2018. This is a global contest to find the best Braille essays, or should we say essays about Braille. You don't have to actually write in Braille, but your essay has to be about Braille, how it's transformed your life or an interesting use of Braille or how it's impacted culture and media and politics, anything like that. You can talk about technology, you can talk about music, you can talk about your life, you can write a poem, anything as long as it's to do with Braille. So this is open to anybody? It's absolutely open to anybody, whether you read Braille or not, whether you write Braille or not, whether you're sighted or blind. And how do people get involved with the essay contest and and read all about that? So there is a page on the RNIB website, www.rnib.org.uk 
forward slash SA, which has the entrance pack and the registration form. So the entrance pack will tell you all about the requirements for your essay, the word length, etc., etc. The RNIB is the body coordinating entries from the UK, and successful entrants will get passed forward to the European Blind Union, who will do the final judging in Europe. I appreciate this is a podcast, but some people do listen on their Amazon uh, Echo devices and, and other things. If the web is, is problematic for people, could, can we just phone up RNIB? Yes, you can. Of course, you can ask for the SA competition pack, etc. in an alternative format, and we can send that to you. And of course, we can also uh, receive essays in hard copy Braille, etc. Okay, and that telephone number? It's 0303 123 Okay. And ask for the Onkyo Braille Essay Contest. June the 7th is your deadline, so uh, hopefully give people a little bit of time to, to get their entries in. So, uh, And there's money to be had as well, the cash prizes. There is money to be had, yes. The top prize is $2,000, I believe. $2,000, there you go. The UK has been successful in the last few years in the competition, so please do enter. Any news about the availability of the Orbit Reader in the UK? So there's no formal news from RNIB about that, but I can tell you things are happening in the background, very much so. Okay. All right, James. Well, and if people need to get hold of you, if people have got Braille questions and uh, they want to follow up with any of the things that we've talked about, how should they contact you? Absolutely. So you can contact me at the RNIB. I'm just contact with the same number as before and just ask for me. I'm very happy to answer any questions on Braille coding, uh, such as how do I write the square root of X or um, how should I show foreign accented letters or how do I do such and such in Braille music? All that kind of stuff is absolutely fine. Many thanks to James Bowden, Braille specialist with RNIB. And that UK telephone number again, if you need to contact RNIB with your Braille related questions, it's 0303 123 You've been listening to Braillecast. I've been Dave Williams. Thanks very much for tuning in once again. And if you have a story that you'd like to hear on Braillecast, do drop us a line, news at braillecast.com, or you can connect with us on Twitter at Braillecast. Until next time, from all the team, bye for now.